Yesterday, our staff and uh, elders and board met for our annual leadership meeting, our conference and retreat, and uh, we were blessed this year to have Bart and Kim Hathaway with us. I know Debbie and I were have been richly blessed by their being here, and I know the staff and the board as well. And this morning, we've asked Bart if he'll come and share with us the Word of God. We're glad to have you today, Bart. Is there a little stand or would you like to take that or, stand with you? No, I meant like a or where do I stand? Oh, anywhere up there. I can't stand down here, can I? Oh you can if you want. Is there like a uh, a music stand? A music stand. That's that thing. Oh, we'll find you one. That's awesome. <laughs> Oh, it's a, one of those wide ones. Good. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. I want to invite you to turn to Job chapter 33. That's where we'll begin. For those of you with real Bibles, I'm hearing pages. For those with the, with the fake Bibles, open your phones, however that works. Is that going to work? Okay, we'll do that. Intercede that I don't crash on the way up here. Whoa. My Bible's too heavy. Are you there? Job 33. I'm going to read just uh, several verses here. I'm going to begin in verse 13. Uh, Elihu is, after all of Job's three precious friends had raked him over the coals pretty well, God raised up a young man to bring some truth into the situation. Thank God for the next generation. Amen? Amen. And uh, he's speaking to him, and so just giving you the context, Job had been complaining against God, and uh, and so Elihu, in, in the middle of his discourse, he, he says this in verse 13, Why do you complain against him that he does not give an account of all of his doings, or his dabah, Hebrew word, all of his words? Are you imagining this? Job was complaining against God, because God didn't explain to him everything that was going on in his life. How many of you know if God explained every question that we had, we still wouldn't get it sometimes? Because he's God and we're not, right? But it doesn't mean we don't seek understanding, but we don't demand or complain against God. We simply trust God. By the way, that Jeremiah 17 is one of my favorite passages. I love that. Anyway, here we go. Why do you complain against him? Because he doesn't give an account of all of his workings or words or doings. Indeed, and here's where I really want to start. God may speak in one way. God speaks once or twice, yet no one notices. One translation says, God may speak in one way or another, and yet man may not perceive it. The point I'm really wanting to land by beginning in this scripture is that God speaks in many, many ways. Amen. It's in the Bible. So just, just so I just wanted to cover myself in case you didn't believe that. I wanted to give it, cover that. Okay. He may speak in a dream. He may speak in a vision of the night. When sound sleep falls on men, when they slumber in their bed, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction so that he may turn man aside from his conduct and keep man back from pride. And he keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from passing over into shield. Father, we thank you for your eternal living, abiding, tested, forever settled in heaven, word of God. We thank you for your God-breathed, inspired word 
that you've given, that you've preserved for us. Thank you. Lord, over and over, even in the last book, you said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit's saying. Lord, would you give us ears to hear today? Give us eyes to see. Jesus, you told your disciples, blessed are your ears that hear the things you hear and your eyes that see. Lord, we need to hear, to see, to perceive what God is saying today. Help us. Help us, Lord. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's no doubt that the primary way that God speaks to us is through his written word. I thank God for the written word of God. But it's as Jesus said, the words that I speak, they're spirit and they're life. God's word is alive, according to Hebrews 4.12. And it's not just alive, it's powerful. It's active. It's sharp. It cuts. It separates soul and spirit. It divides the, the vile from the clean. It separates. I thank God for his written word. But I also thank God that he speaks in many ways. And I'm going today to share with you a dream that I had I think I might have even mentioned this when we were here the last time. But in the early 1980s, I listened, I had the privilege of listening to a a powerful, powerful anointed preacher speak. And he impacted my life so deeply. And uh, he shared in the midst of that, he talked about God speaking in dreams. And he shared a book that he had written called Hippo in the Garden. Now, how's that for a spiritual book? You don't see that on, on anyway. And so I was so enamored with this man, or just so blessed by him, that I immediately went out and bought the book, Hippo in the Garden. And it just so happened that we were about to go on vacation, and we went to the lake, is what we did when our children were little. That was our common vacation. And, uh, and that night, uh, we, we, I was really, uh, I love camping. I love hard line camping, you know, like with the camper and the air conditioner and the running water, you know, the, the Holiday Inn or the Hilton. That's my camping right there. So I'm just, I'm a softie, I'm admitting it. But I took that book with me and I started reading the book and I probably read a third of it that night. And it so awakened something within my spirit that when I woke up the next morning, I knew that God had been speaking to me in my sleep that night. And that began a journey where it was like almost every night God began to speak to me in my dreams. And I got a notebook and I began to write it out. Every morning I would get up and record my dreams. And I want to just encourage you, by the way, I want to encourage you, don't brush off your dreams. Believe God that he still speaks. You know, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what every word. And I believe, and you can help me, uh, Dr. Woodell, I believe the correct literal translation from the original is every word that is proceeding from the mouth of God. Is that correct? I believe that is. In other words, yes, God has spoken. He's recorded it for us, and I thank God for it. And in fact, Jesus went on to say, in John chapter 5, verse 45 and 46, he said, uh, if you had believed Moses, you would believe me because Moses wrote about me. Moses recorded. But he said, since you don't believe Moses, he was speaking to the religious leaders, since you don't believe Moses' writings, how are you going to believe my words? So what Jesus was saying, if you don't know what God has already said, 
how are you going to recognize when he speaks in another way by the living word of God when he's saying something now today? And so I say to you, the more that you familiarize yourself with the word of God, the more you will be able to discern and recognize when God speaks to you in something outside of his word. Now let me, before everybody gets too nervous and and wants to think, who's this guy? Listen, everything must be tested by the word of God. Prophecies spoken, dreams, visions, they're subjective. The word of God is not. It is infallible, the recorded, written word of God. So the more you know that he's already said, the more you will be able to recognize what he is saying when he's speaking today. Are you with me? If it contradicts, if you think you hear something that contradicts what's recorded in this word, throw it away. Everybody good? I'm, I'm, I'm solid. I'm a word guy. Okay, everybody okay with that? I love the written word of God. But I also am thankful that God has revealed that he is still speaking today. Let him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit of God is saying. That is present tense right now. Everybody okay? All right. I've had, since the early 1990s, four dreams that have set me up, upright in my bed. Three of them set me up trembling and shaking because I awoke from the dream to hear the voice of the Spirit of God. Not audibly, but I call it the inner audible voice. How many of you know Jesus said, my sheep know my voice? And so if the enemy has convinced you that you cannot hear the voice of God, I just want to reiterate the words of Jesus. And he said, let me just, have you ever just read through the Old Testament? I challenge you every time just reading through it. And it says, and David asked God and God said, and Moses asked God and God said, all of that was under the old covenant. Do you think that we don't have ears to hear the spirit of the Lord now? And go to the New Testament, Acts chapter 13. And the Holy Spirit said, and the Holy Spirit said, and the Holy Spirit said. Are you with me? I'm trying to set you up to join in with me. Please remember what I said. Dreams, visions, whatever, utterances, those are all subjective. And I highly recommend when you feel like God has spoken to you, to submit it to people, submit it to trusted leaders. I did with this particular dream. As soon as I had it, I submitted it. I got, well, first I got up and prayed. Now, I want to back up just a minute to when Jesus said, if you don't believe Moses' writings, how are you going to believe my words? That's a really important statement that he made, question that he asked. The people that he was talking to were extremely familiar They knew what Moses had written. Are you with me? The promise is, Jesus said, you didn't believe his writings because his writings spoke about me. So it's imperative that we not only know what God said in his word, but that we perceive correctly what God means by what he said. How many of you in here have ever been married? It took me a little while. I'm a little slow took me just a little while. I had to learn that my wife didn't always say what she meant. Actually, that wasn't the problem. She meant exactly what she said. I just didn't know what she meant by what she said. For example, in our early married life, I come home one day. We've got three small children. She's standing at the sink doing dishes. And she's visibly, to me, upset. So like the good husband, I said, babe, what's the matter? And guess what she said? Come on, man, what'd she say? Nothing. Come on. I know I'm talking to some married men, married men now. And I'm like, okay, how do I deal with this? Babe, I know something wrong. What's the matter? 
And she starts crying and telling me about how bad the kids have acted all day long. Well, I got this one. Kids, get in here. Line up. Bam, 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 bam. Problem solved. My wife said, go spank the kids. That's what she said. But the problem is, that's not what she said. So I come back in thinking I've done my duty and I'm, everything's well. But she's still crying. And I had to understand what she said was, it's been a really hard day. Could you just hold me? Are you with me? So see, we can hear what's said. But what's important is that we understand what is meant by what is said. Okay. I just encourage you to apply that to the Word of God. Everybody all right? Here we go. I promise you the barbecue will not be cold when I get through. I just want to say I've been to a lot of churches that during the service they have meet and greet. And, you know, that's where you walk around, shake hands, good to see you today. Everything's wonderful, yeah. But meet and eat? Where there's meat? Meet and eat meat? Okay, y'all just... I feel the anointing on that. Okay. Thank you, God, for joy. Okay, here we go. I'm going to share this dream with you that I had. I I didn't go back and look up when I wrote it down, but it was within the last six months. The dream begins with me entering into the sanctuary of the church that I grew up in my entire life, from birth to 18. But I was me in the dream, and it was similarly, the sanctuary was like this, except there were, there were three sets of pews, one, two, three, and two aisles. And in the back of the church, similar to this, was a foyer that also led to the outside. You could come in, and then there were doors into the sanctuary. I had come in in the sanctuary, and I was, if you were facing this way, I would be on the left-hand aisle, about in the middle. And that's where I was. It was really packed. It was very crowded in the sanctuary. A good friend of mine, and I was just standing there, a good friend of mine, in fact, my best friend, when I, we lived in Arizona, had come through the back door as well, and he was standing at the back between the door and where the pews began. There was a little walkway, and he was dressed in a 1970s style leisure suit. Anybody with me on that? Anybody not know what that is? For you, for you youngins, just go Google it. And just do me a favor, don't throw up when you see it, okay? Because it's pretty nasty. But he was dressed in a purple leisure suit. Now, in the natural, in the natural, that's not my friend at all. It's just not. But it's, it, it wasn't him then. I actually, I submitted this dream to him. And he said, even in the 70s, I didn't wear a leisure suit. So, I mean, you know, you had to be cool like me to wear a leisure suit. If you want to look up my senior picture in high school, you'll see me. I'm really cool. Anyway, sorry. I need you all to focus while I'm talking and not get me sidetracked, okay? All right. So my friend was standing in the back, and he was very uncomfortable. Everything was just awkward. He wasn't mad. He wasn't upset. He was just awkward. It was just awkward. And I knew that he was now the new pastor of the church. Now, I realize I'm sharing this. I'm trying to be as descriptive as possible. I've had months to pray over this, to pray into this, and to submit it to other people, to interact. So I realize you're at a little bit of a disadvantage. I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit to speak, okay? And I know you have ears to hear. I knew he was the new pastor, and in the back he starts talking at the back of the church, but he's not connecting with the people. Nobody's really paying any attention to him. And I felt bad, and we're best friends, but I knew it was awkward, so I walked to the back, and I stuck out my hand, and we shook hands, but yet it was still awkward. Nothing changed. And I just returned to where I was. About that time, 
that I get back to where I am, he begins making his way down the aisle to the front of the church. And by the time he gets up to where near the platform is, he's no longer dressed in a purple leisure suit. He's now dressed in a brown suit, a normal suit. Normal, not, are you with me? He's dressed, but he doesn't have a tie on. And about the time that he gets to the front of the sanctuary, all, not all, excuse me, wrong, wrong, wrong. About the time that he gets there, a mass exodus begins to happen in the congregation. People begin to get up and file out the back door. They're gone, out the fo- into the foyer, and they're leaving. Very few people remained. And I spoke to a woman who was sitting right by where I was standing, and I knew, I just knew, in my, I just knew that I knew in the dream that these people were leaving the church and had no intention of coming back. And so I turned to a lady, unknown in my dream, and I said to her, please watch, stay here and watch while I go see what's happening with all the people. I go out, and as I get to the back door in the foyer and open it up, I see for sure that all the people are leaving, like they're, they're getting in their car. They're leaving. I know they're not coming back. And it confirms what I already sensed as they were leaving. And about that time, a dust storm started coming on the horizon. And little particles of dust begin to come into the church. And I thought, I've got to close the door because the church is going to get filthy with this dust storm if I don't. And so I closed the door and I held on to it. And as I shut the door, the dust storm became massive and began to pound on the church. And at the same time, Many of the people who had left began banging on the door and wanting back in. And I woke up. And as soon as I opened my eyes, I heard this in my heart. Once the master of the house has closed the door, that was what I heard. I found the scripture. It's in Luke 13, 25. And I immediately begin to pray. God, what are you saying? God, what in the world is going on? I was, I was, I was shaken by the dream. I knew that it was serious. In Luke chapter 19, it's contains the story of what we call the triumphal entry when Jesus rode in on the colt, fulfills Zechariah's prophecy, into Jerusalem. People are praising him, waving the palm leaves. And Jesus, the Bible says, looked out over the city of Jerusalem and began to weep. Again, my limited understanding of the Greek language, but I believe it means much more than a few tears were coming down Jesus' cheeks. I believe the context and the, and the, the true representation of that statement is that Jesus was weeping profusely. His heart was broken. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And Jesus made this statement He said, the time is coming when not one stone will be left upon another. That your your city is going to be overtaken. He He was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, which was filled by Titus in AD 70. And Jesus knew it. He saw it. He knew what was coming. But then he made this statement. He gave the reason for what was coming. And he said this, because... You did not recognize the time 
of your visitation. You did not understand. You did not perceive what God has sent to you. I, the Messiah, have been sent to you. And you did not understand the time. The Greek word is kairos. It is the right now appointed specific moment. The other Greek word is chronos. It's an extended period of time. It's an expanded period of time. Kairos is a right now moment. I believe we in America are in a kairos moment right now where God is not only preparing, God has already begun to visit his church in America. God is speaking to his people in America. In the dream, my friend standing in the back. Can, let me just stop for a minute and let me just ask a question or two that I believe we're all, I, I know this is about to be weighty. This is weighty, I understand. But we're living in a weighty moment. We're living in serious times right now. Is there anyone that doesn't agree with that? I, I don't think there is. My friend standing at the back in the 70s leisure suit, I believe represented the new thing that God is wanting to say and to do with the church in the West. I'm not talking about this particular congregation or any particular congregation. I'm talking about as a whole, an awakening, a reformation, a restoration that will bring transformation, not only to the people of God, but to the nation of America, which we desperately need. I believe my friend represents the new thing that God wants to do. The problem is he was dressed in something that was from the 70s. Are you familiar with the scripture where Jesus said in Mark 2.22, you cannot put new wine into old wineskins. Are you with me? Because the new wine will burst the old wineskin. If we don't recognize that our approach, our way of doing things has not been working and we're losing our culture, we are of all people most deceived. I'm not here, please, please hear my heart. This is not about being critical, being Pointing the finger. This is about responding to an invitation from heaven to wake up and say, God, something's wrong. I don't even know what it is. I don't even have all the answers. But we have got to see a new move of the Spirit of God. And I'm willing to lay down anything and everything and put on the right suit that you want me to have. Symbolically, when my friend got to the front of the church, he was now dressed in a suit of brown. Brown, most often, spiritually, symbolically speaking, represents the cloak of humility. Taking off the tie, take, to me, represented taking off pretense. Taking off having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. We need more than anything in this day and this hour as the sons and daughters of most of the Most High God to fall on our faces, on our knees before Him in humility, in brokenness, and say, God, whatever it takes, I'm ready. We've allowed the leisure of the culture the immorality of the culture 
to take over our nation. We've compromised. We've set back. We've been silent. But I'm here to say at the invitation of the Spirit of God, we need to stand up and say no more. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. This word, I believe, has nothing, nothing, nothing to do with doom and gloom and it's over for America. I've heard that. I've heard that. I know people. I've heard statements from respected leaders that it's too late. I want to say before you today that with God, it's never too late. Thank you. It's not too late. But we've got to humble ourselves before God. And we've got to get serious about saying, God, just do whatever you got to do. Change me. I don't even know what to do. But I know the one to turn to. And if we'll humble ourselves like that, many won't want to hear it. Many won't want to change. Many times... If you make, if leadership makes definitive decisions that don't go along with tradition or the way we've always done things, they will face persecution. They will lose. When you take a stand for truth, you may suffer loss. But praise God, your work will be saved even if by fire. And sometimes God may just have to prune in order to increase the harvest. I know I'm speaking boldly here. And just remember, even if you don't like me, you've been commanded by Jesus, not me. You have to love me. I'd like to see a bunch of people just clapping just a little bit one more time and amen and right here, okay? When I first had this dream, I was so disturbed. I was first broken by all the people leaving. But you know what? Maybe it's some that never belonged to him, as John says in 1 John. Maybe they never were part of him. Maybe it's just some that don't know what to do. But if they truly belong to God, I'm here to tell you, he said, Jesus said, no man will pluck them out of my father's hand. God knows how to keep his own. My responsibility is to be faithful to the word of the Lord and to the assignment of the Lord. Are you with me? Okay, I want to look at one more verse of Scripture, Matthew chapter 11, and I want to finish with this. Kim and I are so honored to be here this weekend. We love the, we just, we just feel, we feel the Lord's hand upon what he wants to do here with this body. And I just, I'll just leave that at that. But I want to talk to you now with this closing verse of Scripture. I'm guessing you understand by now if I say I have one verse of Scripture left. That's probably another 30 or 40 minutes, you know. (laughs) I really will try to be brief. Uh, But this is so important. But I do want to set it up. I think I may have even shared a little bit of this last time when I was here. I actually tried to find my message on your website, and I wasn't successful because I thought, God, I don't want to stand up here and just repeat everything I said before. But anybody remember what I shared when I was here last time? Oh, my goodness. Kim, bring me my notes, babe. Bring me my notes. We're going to start over. We're starting over. We're going to, no, I'm just kidding. In uh, December of last year, I was sitting at my daughter's house, and uh, I was there by myself. They had all gone to school. My daughter was a school teacher. Her husband had gone to work. I'd just been hanging out with them. I was just spending time with the Lord. And I looked down at my phone, and I had been seeing the numbers. God speaks to Kim and I in numbers a lot. Uh, he really does. And one of them over the years has been 1111. Uh, another way he speaks to us, we'll find, we'll go through seasons where every time we take a step, we find pennies. 
And the Lord said to us, you know what that means? I said, God, is this something or did I just find a penny? And he said, no, you're one cent. I'll just, anyway, that means something to us, doesn't it, babe? So anyway, I was sitting there, and I'd been seeing eleven eleven for a few days, and, and I always notice it, and uh, uh, I see 633 all the time, all the time. It, it's, I mean, there's very few days go by that I don't notice the clock at 633, which is Matthew 633, seek first the kingdom of God. But I looked down at my phone, and it was eleven eleven on the 11th. And I said, oh, okay, God, are you saying something? I, I mean, I, I don't want to just make stuff up, but are you trying to get through to me? And I felt like I heard the Lord say, I'm giving you four verses of Scripture, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John eleven eleven, And all of them are still unfolding even a year later to me. But the one I felt to highlight today is Matthew eleven eleven. So I just wanted to give you the background of, of how I came to this. And speaking to the church in America as a whole already, I want to speak to you as individuals. And did you record the Sunday school this morning? Okay. My word. Ask God to try and download it to you. It was so good. I've, I've actually heard my wife share that story so many times, but I was in tears listening to it again this morning because God is so powerful and it just confirmed what I'm about to share in Matthew 11, 11. Here we go. This is in the context of Jesus' tribute to John the baptizer. And here's what it says. Truly I say to you, among those born among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Wow. Did you? That's the words of Jesus. Among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater. There's no one come along greater than John the Baptist. Are you kidding me? Have you read about Moses? What about David? What about Solomon? No one risen, born among women, greater than John the Baptist. Pretty, pretty powerful tribute, huh? And then look what he says. Yet, are nevertheless, depending on what translation you have. This is what I want to tell you. He who is least, least is like John the Baptist, least. He who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. The reason John the Baptist was the greatest at that point because he was the heralder of the kingdom of God. He didn't say, yes, he was to prepare the way for the Messiah. But when John the Baptist opened his mouth and spoke, he said, the kingdom of heaven is here. The law served its purpose, but the moment that you've been waiting for As Paul said in Galatians, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. The kingdom is here. John's assignment to announce the kingdom was it. When Jesus opened his mouth, his first message was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. The old, Jesus came to fulfill the law, I know. But Hebrews tells us, he takes away the first that he may establish the second. The kingdom is now. It's here. The way you used to do things, no more. There's a new sheriff in town. I like it that way. How about it? Someone greater is here, he told the Pharisees. 
But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than the greatest born among women at that point. What Jesus was saying to us as individuals right now, today, sitting here, as my wife so beautifully said, Every son and daughter of God has been created and recreated now, born again into the image of their God, been restored to perfect relationship with Him, and now has the power of the living, risen Christ, not just with them, but living on the inside of them. And you were created, you were destined for greatness to have influence and purpose in this world now. If I just came for you, it would have been worth it. Thank you. Not that I, I'm, I'm not looking for this. I'm looking for praise God. The devil's always telling me how useless I am. How, uh-oh. Boy, I spit in It's really getting good now. Okay, sorry. The devil's always trying to tell God's people how worthless they are, how useless they are how short they always come, but I'm telling you, I am saying to you, by the authority of Matthew 11, 11, there is enough power, there is enough authority sitting in this room right now to change this entire region. Yes. But it starts with us just humbling ourselves and say, God, Thank you. Thank you. Show me what you want to do. And it will come to fruition as you believe the word of the living God. It is not the will of God for his people to sit on the sidelines and wait for the rapture, whatever you believe about it. If your theology about it's wrong, see me after the service and I'll straighten you out. I believe somewhere in the red it says, Occupy until I come. Occupy until I come. Church, we are in a season of war. We are fighting for the very soul of this nation, but it's not going to be changed until we, as the church, as the people, as the sons and daughters of the living God, rise up according to Isaiah 52 and take our seats of authority, our seats of honor beside the living king, which we're already seated there. We're not really waiting for it. We're just, God's waiting for us to start acting. Acting like it. And you'll start acting like it when you start believing it. Behold, 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 all authority in heaven and in earth is given to me. Who said that? Jesus. What did he follow up with it? As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Thus Jesus fulfilled his word in John 14 when he told them, the Holy Spirit's coming and you're going to know him. Because he'll be with you and he will be in you. You have the living Christ on the inside of you. I'm going to make a statement. I want you to believe it. The word of God in your mouth. Not, not what you want the word to say. Not what you think the word says. But the word of God. The living word of God in your mouth has the same 
authority as the word of God in his mouth. Selah. Because the living word is on the inside of us. We just say what he says and do what he does. And we can do this thing. And I'm saying to you today what the psalmist said, and so I'm sorry, this stuff just keeps coming to me. I'll close, Pastor. Psalm 110, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies my footstool. Rule. Rule. What does rule mean? In the Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, it means rule. In the midst of your enemy's rule. In holy array, the voice translation says, when we begin to stand in our place of honor, following our king, it doesn't say that, but this, it, that's the description of the army. In Psalm 110, it's an army. The voice translation says, what a sight they will be. When we start seeing what God sees and saying what God says, we'll begin to stand in our place and rule in the midst of our enemies. In Jesus' name. Are you ready to do it? Let's do it. Let's stand to your feet if you would. I just want to pray over you. Father, I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that the plans you have for us are good. Lord, I thank you that there's a rising taking place in America. There is an awakening taking place. Lord, I thank you for those in this room who are saying yes to God, whatever it takes. And Lord, I'm praying for those that are giving you their yes in this room right now for a fresh filling of the spirit of the living God. You said in Ephesians, be continually being filled with the spirit of God. Lord, fresh impartation right now for everyone listening to your word, receiving your word, believing your word. Lord, I declare that intercessors in this room will begin to pray like they've never prayed before. I declare that faith will arise in this room because faith comes by hearing and that hearing is activated by the word of the living God. And I thank you that you're taking your people in this room from faith to faith, from glory to glory, as we sang in the song earlier. Thank you. Lord, I declare that the word of the living God sown in our hearts today will do what you promised it will do. It will not return void, but it will go forth and prosper in the thing whereto you sent it, and it will accomplish everything you send it to do because you've already declared it. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I declare that the seed sown in our hearts the enemy cannot have because it is sealed by the blood of the Lamb of God. Thank you. And by the Spirit of the living God. Thank you. And I declare that it will take root downward, and it will bear fruit upward for the glory of God. Lord, you said, this is how my Father's glorified when we bear much fruit. So I thank you that fruit in abundance will come forth out of the living word of God in our hearts today. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Let us join in singing together the greatest thing.
like to pray with someone or speak to someone this morning, I'll, I'll be up front. Mark and Kim will be here, our elders, and uh, please feel free to come up and just uh, we'll share a word of prayer with you. And then uh, we're going to move over into the DFC. We've got a great barbecue lunch. I noticed some who signed up are not here, so you can take their place. How's that? So if you didn't sign up, you just join us. We'll have a good time of meet and eat. How's that? I'm telling you, it doesn't get any better than that. All right, Bart, Kim, we're so glad you were here this week. You have blessed us beyond measure. Thank you. God bless you and your ministry. Amen. All right. Let's have a closing prayer. Father, you have blessed us beyond measure that we could be called your children, that we could reach up to you in heaven and you hear our prayers. And Father, I pray that you will lead us out through this day, out, out this today and, and uh, help us to walk with you, serve you, and Father, be a great testimony for your glory. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.